Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, everybody. Welcome to God Mode. Thank you so much for choosing to tune in again today. I want a big shout out to all our listeners up in Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, Chicago. Man, so many of you listening in Chicago. Thank you for tuning in. Los Angeles. Love it. You know, in 2014, a man named Damien Lowe, and he's this British man, he was in a city outside of London. He was just walking along the street, just minding his own business, and this van pulled up. And it was a group of terrorists who kidnapped Damien at gunpoint. They took him to this secure location, and what they did next is they called the family, and they demanded this huge sum of money, or they were going to harm or even kill Damien. And the family began to explain that they didn't have the resources to come up with that much money all of a sudden. And so the terrorists hung up the phone. And what they did next is they felt like they needed to send a message to the family to let them know how serious they were. So what they decided to do was cut off one of Damien's five fingers and mail it to the family. And that's exactly what they did. But I guess because they were nice terrorists, they decided to let Damien choose which one of his five fingers he wanted to get chopped off. I mean, just put yourself in Damien's shoes just a minute. I mean, you have seconds to decide which one of your five fingers you're going to live the rest of your life without. It's kind of a big deal. I mean, you don't want to mess up this decision, right? So what would you choose? Which finger would you chop off? I mean, it's actually a year before Damien's situation happened that another man named Belem Saram in Syria, a terrorist captured him and they were going to cut off his fingers and gave him a choice. So guess what I'm saying is this. If it happened to these two men, it could happen to you. And because I love all of my listeners, I want you to be prepared for this kind of situation. So I'm going to make you choose right now, right now, you have to choose one finger. If you had to lose one, which one would you chop off? Okay, right? I mean, really, I mean, Daniel probably only, Damien probably only had a few seconds, right? So you got your choice right now. You know which one you're going to chop off. Did you know hand surgeons tell us there is absolutely a right answer? If you had to lose just one finger, this is the one you should lose. You want to know the answer? I'm not going to tell you to the end of this podcast, all right? But today, what I want to do, and I'm really excited about this message, is I want to talk to you about the hands of a leader. Okay, we've been in this series called Lead Like Jesus. And last time, we talked about the heart of a leader because it all starts with the heart. You have to get your heart right, your motives right as a leader, and everything else, or if not, everything else is wrong. But once you have the heart right and your motives are right, then you just have to start putting your hands to doing the right things to lead the way Jesus led. And today I want to talk to you about 
in what, in my opinion, is the biggest myth that exists in leadership today. And here it is. This is the greatest myth in leadership today is that individuals accomplish great things. And the myth goes something like this. We start to think when we see someone really successful in life, whether it's a parent who's leading their kids really well and the kids are thriving and we want that, or we see a marriage that is just really amazing, or we see an athlete that's performing at the highest levels. I mean, they're just killing it. Or we see a leader who in a business or organization is really exceeding in their company. They're just blowing it up and they're moving up the ladder. And here's what happens. We have a tendency to look at an individual at the top and think it's the individual's greatness that made them great. It's not true. In fact, the truth is that nothing of significance has ever been achieved by an individual acting alone. Nothing. If you see a parent whose kids are thriving, I promise you that that parent did not have everything they needed to give to those kids. It wasn't an individual. If you see an athlete performing at the highest levels, I promise you there is always a team or a group of coaches involved. If you see a leader that was performing at the highest levels, that leader did not have all the gifts, all the abilities to get where they are on their own. I mean, just think about athletes for a moment. I don't care if you talk about Tom Brady or St. Bolt, LeBron James, whoever. Every single athlete had a team around them. Let me put it this way. Below the surface, what seemed like a solo act are always team efforts. See, it is a myth. It's a myth that individuals accomplish great things. The truth is this, that teams, teams accomplish great things, period. It's always teams. Even the greatest coach, maybe of all time, John Wooden, he put it this way, it takes 10 hands to score a basket. And I really think that as we want to look at the life of Jesus, remember, he's the greatest leadership model of all time. What we're going to see when you really look at the life of Jesus is Jesus' role model for this, for us, is Jesus always, always chose working through a team. Always. And think about this. If there was ever a leader in history of mankind that could have done it on their own as an individual, don't you think it was Jesus? I mean, he's God in the flesh. I mean, surely he could have all the gifts and the abilities just to do it on his own. And yet what we see in Jesus's life, and you're going to see this today, is Jesus always chose to work through a team. So the bigger deer I want to talk to you about today, and if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, is this. You can't accomplish anything, anything of significance without a team. You can't. And I want to show you that from the life of Jesus. Today, we're going to pick up Jesus's life in Luke chapter 6. If you want to get in your Bible, go there. Here's what's happening in Luke chapter 6 is Jesus is just starting his public ministry. He's just getting started. The world doesn't know about Jesus yet. He's only done a few miracles. But Jesus's goal is to transform the entire world. So what is one of the first things that Jesus does as a leader? 
Let me show you in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12. It says, this one day, soon afterwards, Jesus is just getting started. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God. How long did he pray to God? All night. Now, that is just so crazy convicting to me because I have never prayed all night about anything. I've prayed into the night. I've woken up in the middle of the night and started praying, but I have never prayed all night about anything. I mean, you're thinking, have you? I'm thinking, what's so important that Jesus is going to pray all night long? You know, in scripture, in chapter, in the New Testament, this is the only place we have a record of Jesus praying all night long about something. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't pray all night long. This is the one place. So what was so important? The very next verse tells us in 13, at daybreak, when he got up, the sun rises, he called together all of his disciples. I mean, he probably had thousands of people that were gathering around him at the time. I mean, they're really intrigued by Jesus. And what Jesus did at that moment, he chose 12 of them to be his apostles. He chose 12 people very specifically to be on his team. Jesus had a team of 12 leaders of leaders. He had an inner core of three, Peter, James, and John. Think about this. Jesus spent all night long praying. Then he chose who was going to be on his team. So what I wanted to take from this episode from Jesus's life, I want to look at Jesus's life as a whole, and I want you to talk to you today about three leadership lessons from Jesus on teamwork. Here's lesson number one. Very few things are as important as the team you surround yourself with. I'm telling you, very, very few things you'll ever do. And remember, everyone's a leader listening today. Remember, we talked about this last week. Everyone's a leader because everyone has influence. Whether you're a single mom or you're a teenager and you want to influence your school, whether you're a leader in the marketplace, everyone's a leader. And no matter who you are, there is very few things you'll ever do than deciding who you surround yourself with as a team. And this applies to every aspect of life. In fact, I would say to a teenager listening today, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Very few things are important as those who you surround yourself with. If you're a leader in the marketplace today, I promise you, very few things are as important as the team you surround yourself with. Why? Because it's a myth that you have all the gifts and all the abilities you need to lead what you're leading right now. You want to know why? You're not that good. You're not. And guess what? I'm not either. Or is any pastor. You know, I was thinking about this, writing it down. If if you're a pastor, you have to be a, a vision caster, a theologian, a preacher, a communicator, a manager, a team builder, a recruiter, a writer. You have to be creative, a magician, a counselor, a conflict arbitrator. You have to be expert in finances, real estate, construction, audio, visual, graphic design. You have to know everything about kids, students, college, adults, special needs, seniors, food service, funerals, weddings, social media, marketing, crisis management. 
I mean, you would have to be amazing at human resources, legal, web design, app development, and man, I could just go on and on. And you know what? In addition to that whole list, I would have to be an amazing husband, I have to be a great dad, a good friend to do this. Come on. Have you ever met someone in your life as a leader that is great at all these things? That person does not exist and has never existed. And yet somehow we've convinced ourselves, well, when I start leading, like if I just work hard enough or go through enough conference or seminars or read enough books and and get the right education, I'll be great at all the things I need to lead at the levels God wants me to lead at. Wrong. In fact, this may be one thing that God wants to sink into somebody's heart today. And I would say like this, God's dream for you will be determined by the strength of the team around you. God's dreams. God has such big dreams for you. Do you understand that? He has such big dreams for you, whether you're a parent or your marriage or leading, whatever you want to lead. I mean, God has such big plans for your life, and they will be determined to a large degree by the strength of the size of the people you surround yourself. That's why nothing is as important. Almost nothing is important. When you decide to follow Jesus and give your life to Jesus, then deciding, who am I going to surround myself with? Here's a lesson number two when choosing a team. You have to choose a team. Prioritize teamwork over talent. Every time, every time. Here's what I see leaders do all the time. When you're choosing a team, what leaders do is they often go after the most talented people. And it's not bad. You want talent, right? But if you had to prioritize choosing the most talented person or choosing a very team-oriented person that plays well in a team, what do you want? Talent or teamwork? I know what you want. You want both, right? That's what I want. But if you had to prioritize one, what are you going to prioritize? And listen. Teamwork trumpets talent all day long. Let me say that again. Teamwork trumps talent all day long. And you're thinking, well, what does this have to do with the leadership style of Jesus? It has everything to do with the leadership style of Jesus. I mean, let's go back and look at the list. In Luke chapter 6, when Jesus chose the 12, it lists the 12s that he chose. Here's the list of 12. Do you think Jesus chose the most talented people in the world? You go study the list of these 12 people, it's unbelievable. Most of them are ordinary fishermen, no education at all. You got a tax collector that nobody liked thrown into the mix. Jesus threw in a zealot for good measure. I mean, these are not even close to the most talented people. Literally not even close. In fact, when leaders in that culture at the time saw some of the people that Jesus chose and they saw what they were doing, Listen to their response. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they, that's the leaders, right, of that day, they saw the courage of Peter and John, two of the people Jesus chose, and realized that they were the unschooled, ordinary men. These guys aren't anything special. Then why would Jesus choose them? Because Jesus knew that they would work well as a team with him not just as a bunch of talented individuals. 
Do you know that now that science and research has finally caught up with what Jesus has been trying to teach us all along? And science now shows us that teamwork trumps talent. Let me give you one study. In 2008, MIT researchers at MIT, they decided that they wanted to study and see what teams have the most success. Like, what's the makeup of the team that they would have the most success? So they got 699 individuals together. They broke them into 152 teams, gave every team the exact same challenging assignment. But what they did prior to separating up the teams is they gave all the 699 people an IQ test. They wanted to look at how talented they were. And what they wanted to know is this. If we put the most talented, smartest people together, will they outperform everybody else? And here's exactly what this study found. And by the way, there's been several studies that have been done like this in other places. Well, Google being one of them. What they found is the most talented teams with the highest IQ people didn't even come close to getting the best results. In fact, many of them had some of the worst results. And that just messes with your mind, doesn't it? Because like intuitively, we think, well, we'll just put the most talented people together, the smartest people, and they'll always outperform everyone else. They don't. What they found in this study is they actually found that average people, the average talent people on a team operating as a team always outperform superstars that struggle with teamwork. Isn't it true, and you know this from your own life, isn't it true that sometimes the most talented people struggle the most with teamwork? I mean, just look at athletes. You can have a superstar on the team and the team doesn't win. And you're going, why? Why? Michael Jordan put it this way. Talent wins games. Teamwork wins championships. And I think when you study the life of Michael Jordan, he had to learn this early on. It was kind of all of about Michael. Then you realize, I got to have a team. It's about the team that actually wins. And so what all of us have to ask is this. You might be the most talented individual on team, but does the team perform best when you're on it? Teamwork trumps talent. Jesus showed us this. Acts 4.13, remember when he says he chose unschooled ordinary men? They were going to play as the team together. And then the verse goes on to state that this they were astonished. The leader's like, look at these men. And they said, how could they accomplish so much? I mean, they were so astonished. Then they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Such a powerful line which is one of the things that Jesus' disciples got when they spent time with Jesus. This is the third lesson I want to show you today, is that Jesus prioritized investing in and empowering his team. See, one of the things that Jesus always did when he had a team around him and leaders, he's always trying to develop the people around him. And we know that, right? I mean, you know it's important whether it's your kids pointing to your kids and developing them or whether it's a team around you. You want everyone to be developing, learning, and growing. But it isn't true that sometimes we're not very good at empowering people around us. Jesus was always not only training up, 
but empowering the people. Let me show you a parallel passage. When Jesus chose the 12 in Luke chapter 6, let me show you how Matthew records the exact same story. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus got in praying all night, and it says Jesus called the 12 disciples to him. And what did Jesus do? He gave them authority. He gave them authority. You know what this word authority means in the original language? It means the power or the right to make decisions. Do you empower empower the people around you? Or does it have to be all about you? Are you the one that always has to make all the decisions because you're so good? You're thinking, did Jesus really do this? Just go study his life. Let me give you one example, the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus had a couple loaves of bread and a few fish, he has to feed 5,000 men. That doesn't include the women and children. So it's over 10,000 people he has to feed. Does Jesus say this? I'm number one. Everybody come to me to get your food. Ah, What does Jesus do? He blesses the loaves and fish and he puts it into the hands of the disciples and he empowers them. And listen, where does the miracle happen? Where does the multiplication of the loaves and fishes happen? Does it happen in Jesus's hand or in the disciples' hands? It actually happens in the disciples' hands. After Jesus blessed it with his passion power, the disciples see the multiplication when they go out and they're empowered. I think that's a good lesson for leaders here today because maybe the reason you're not seeing the blessings in your life and in your leadership is because you keep everything in your hands. You've got to control everything and you're not empowering the people around you. If you want to be a great leader, I have to empower and raise up teams of leaders. It's the only way leadership works. That's leadership. I think there's a leadership myth that exists that leaders should be the one with all the answers every single time. I would call them the knowledge hoarders, that they see, hey, my key role is I have this knowledge and nobody else knows. So it gives me job security, or maybe I can even help lead the whole company or the whole church. I love that term, knowledge hoarders. I mean, there are some people in organizations, some leaders that a knowledge hoarder is this, is someone that makes it all about them. Like they want it to be all about them. And they think it gives them this job security, where in reality, those are kind of the kind of people who really don't, you really don't want on your team at all. And my question is, are you a knowledge hoarder? Are you a leadership hoarder? Is it all about you? You've got to make everything happen. You have ever fallen prey to the trap of thinking this? I mean, just fill in the blank. If you want things done right, you have to do it what? Yeah, you got to do it yourself. No one else can do it. You know who I think falls prey to this all the time? And it's a really sneaky group of leaders. Parents. Parents do all the time. Here's what happens in parenting. You think what? It's my child. I know him best. They should hear from me and me alone. They should get all their knowledge and their wisdom from number one. And you know what? It kind of plays out that way for a little bit. When your kids are first born, they listen to you. And, and if you're a great parent, I mean, they're all heirs. They're growing. And, and then do you know what happens around the age of 13? I mean, you've been there, right? It happens to the best parents. It's all just like wreck because you're thinking, but I was a good parent. 
But around age 13 or 14, here's what happens. When you try to talk and speak into a, start developing your child on your own, here's what your voice sounds like. Wop, 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 wop. I promise you it happens. And you can't fight it or you can accept it. I mean, no one skips this. They're teenagers, okay? So if you don't have a team of people that surround yourself, that are speaking into your kids' lives, listen, you're toast. And so many parents fight this because they want the credits. They want the credit that they've spoken into their kid's life and they got it from me. Listen, you can want all the credit or you can have a great child. What do you want? I know you want a great child, but you've got to get beyond yourself and being all about you. I mean, my daughter would come home sometimes and go, you won't believe what so-and-so told me today. And I'm going like in the back of my mind and I'm biting my tongue going like, I told you that for years, you know. But it doesn't matter where the credit comes from. All you care about is that getting it right. You know, Harry Truman put it this way. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. And that applies to every area of leadership. Every area of leadership. Are you making it about the team? Why you can accomplish anything, anything of significance without a team. One is a too small of a number to achieve greatness. Remember at the beginning of the message, I said, if I had to choose one finger to chop off, what would you choose? I mean, think about it. I'm going to have you vote. Ready? Okay. How many of you listening, you would choose to chop off your pointer finger? Or is it the middle finger? How many would choose to chop off the ring finger? I mean, everybody, I got to tell you, they always choose the pinky, right? That's the answer. I'll tell you. But first, what finger do you associate with leadership? What finger is it? It's the one that says I'm number one, right? If you know, you know what, I'm number one. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you what to do and you what to do and you what to do. We think leadership is all about just directing everybody because I'm that good. You do this, you do that. Do you know what hand surgeons tell us absolutely is the right decision? If you had to chop off one finger, just one. All right, Ray, I know you've always thinking around, thinking about which finger you're going to chop off. I mean, most of you, you chose the pinky. You would never chop off your pinky. Did you know that your pinky controls almost 50% of your hand strength? If you chopped it off, you'd immediately, almost 50% of your hand strength And by the way, when this happens to people in the real world, they always choose the pinky. You watch that people that got captured by terrorists and they're going like this. They always choose a pinky and it's the one, the wrong one to chop off. You never chop off your pinky. You wouldn't want to chop off your ring finger or your middle finger. They're connected by a tendon and together they control about 35% of your grip. What hand surgeons tell us, the right answer here to chop off, this is the right one. If you had to chop off one finger, is your pointer finger. You would because guess what? Your middle finger can almost do everything that your pointer finger can do. What's the very last finger you'd ever ever chop off your hand? Your thumb. In fact, without a thumb, you don't even have a hand. It can't even operate. In fact, what surgeons and hand surgeons tell us is that if you lost your thumb, they would break one of your other fingers to try to create a thumb because you don't have a hand without a thumb. 
Now think about this. What finger represents the leader? It's not the pointer finger. The leader is the thumb. The thumb. Watch. All the fingers are different on purpose. And what's the job of the thumb? The thumb is the one finger that works with all the other fingers on your hand so that you can do more together than you ever could on your own. Leadership is the thumb. And so what some of you need to do today is you need to chop off your pointer finger. Not literally. You didn't hear me. Not literally. Don't, don't, I heard, don't be going, I chopped off my finger some crazy on a podcast. Figuratively, you need to get rid of your pointer finger. There's actually a verse in Isaiah that says, get rid of the pointer finger. He's talking about these people that were like judging and going around. But isn't that interesting? Get rid of your pointer finger. Leadership is the thumb. You're designed to have a complementary team around you in all areas of your life. And your job in leadership is to work with the team to accomplish more together. Why? Why? Because do you have the right team around you? Like, do you have the right team around you? You can't accomplish anything of significance without the right team. Let me play this out in your life just a little bit. You're a parent. Do you have the right team around your kids? And if your kids are not plugged into a youth ministry, I'm telling you, they have to be. What about growing spiritually? You know, so many of you, you want to grow and we want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in our marriages. We're single. We want to grow. How do you grow? You have to be a part of a small group. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. You know of it. Some of you are like, well, you know, I I grow spiritually, Chris. I get all alone. I read my Bible. And by the way, that's super important. You should be in God's word on your own. But I, you need to understand it was never designed for you to do it on your own. You'll never grow until you surround yourself with the right people. And you say, and some of you may be saying, well, I don't need a small group. Actually, I already have some friends around me. Really? Are they the right friends? Sometimes to change your life, you have to change your friends. And you need people around you with the same values, the same morals. And that's what small groups are designed to do. And for some of you, your takeaway today would be, maybe I need to get into a group. Maybe at your church, they have small groups. You need to get on the app, website, whatever. And you need to become a part of a group and of a team that surrounds you. And maybe in your workplace, some of you are leading your workplace Are you leading and empowering and raising up leaders, working with them as a team, or are you doing this on your own? Maybe even a church, you're leading a church. Are you surrounding yourself with team and are you releasing power, empowering people? Are you trying to control everything? Maybe you don't have a team and maybe that's not who you are, but let me ask you, are you a great team player or are you the finger that won't bend? I mean, the people are trying to work with you and you're like, I'm not bending. You'll never be a great leader if you can't be a great teammate first. What am I trying to say? It's the, it's the big idea. You'll never accomplish anything of significance without a team. And God's dream for you will be determined by the size and the strength of the team around you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for providing the greatest leadership model of all time, Jesus. And if anybody, anybody could have done it on their own, it was Jesus. And Jesus always worked with a team. And God, 
that it would be so convicting to all of us, whether we're parents or in our marriage or and we're thinking we just can't figure it out on our own or whether we're a leader in the workplace at any level or in the church, God is always about the team. And what some of us just today, we, we get to a point that we decide we need to chop off this pointer finger. We've made it all about us and we need to be the thumb. We need to be more like you. So Father, I pray for all of us today that we would just, we would just truly take this to heart, put it into action. And would you help us grow as we are more team-oriented? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope somewhere in your heart this spoke to you. We're going to continue on in this series. Join us next time. God bless. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. Please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.